0: Disclaimer for this episode, this one we're going to be talking about sight loss. So
1: you've been warned that this might get a bit heavy. And also heavy in language and content, because this is how we roll. You don't like that? Tune out. If you love it, tune in. Tune in hard. Welcome to the Seesaw Podcast with T and Cleves. Each week, I'll bring up each Perspective respectable life. Welcome to this week. Another brand spanking new episode. Yep,
0: 100% not recorded after a previous episode. This is organic and fresh. Like milk. We've referenced milk quite a lot in the last few
1: episodes, and you don't like it, so. Yeah, it doesn't mean it's not fresh. What else is fresh? Fresh eggs? Fresh Air. meat? Fresh air, that's a good one. Yeah. Fresh spring water. Hmm. <laughs> <Shall> we... <laughs> I saw a barber's once called Fresh
0: Hair. See what they did there? You know what? All barbers have ridiculous names.
1: Have you noticed that? Barbers in general. I like mm. it when barbers have like pun based names. When we used to live in Hull, there were so many of them his and hairs, fresh hair, um, hair today gone tomorrow, all that kind of shit.
0: Yeah. If I had a Barber's, I would just hire a woman named Barbara so I could call it the Barber's.
1: You'd have to have at least two.
0: That's what I mean. I would just hire. <laughs> that we're talking about being selective with hiring processes. To be fair, you could just hire anyone and get them to legally change their name by depot. I mean, work is hard enough to find the out. I'm sure people would do that. <laughs> so we're just going to jump into this episode. Yeah, um, no Segways. No Segways because they're illegal in the UK. Are they? I think they are illegal in some capacities. Yeah, well, what about those
1: Segway tours that you see
0: in London? I think they... I think you have to have, like, proper licensing and stuff like that. Okay. I, I know that the inventor of Segway died on a Segway by driving off a cliff. Uh, that's, that's true. Did you see the cliff go, sure, and lean forward? I I don't know, but the, the Segways are super dangerous. Because, like, they're gyro, but they also have electric, like, they have electronics so that they have, like, they have to have something in there to, like, stabilise the gyros. If it runs out of battery, it just falls forward. They don't tell you this. But if the battery cuts out, you just go forwards. So you have people who just go flat on their face on Segways.
1: There's probably, like, a YouTube cut video of that.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to look at that. That's the sort of thing I don't like watching.
1: Oh, man, that's the sort of thing I love
0: watching. People fall on their face. Yes, please. That's one thing, like, with you being framed, where people send... They they used to send in their videos. I think they still do, don't they?
1: I mean, it's not a physical tape anymore,
0: but yeah. No, but they used to send in your your physical tapes, and now they just get things off the internet. But it's just people doing staged things normally. But that's all the stuff I didn't like. Like people hurting themselves. I'm not a fan of that. What about jackass? Yeah, but they had medical professionals there, didn't they? Like, we're not talking about someone who swan dives into a pool and brains themselves on the bottom, you know?
1: <laughs> I'm laughing at that in my head already. Like, that's pretty <laughs> funny.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, well, we're different people. We are. We are different people. So this week, a bit of a heavier topic. We are gonna be talking about being blind. That's what I put down on, on the on it's the not, notes here. The thing is I know that's the podcast. Yeah, okay, good. I know I am fully aware of that podcast. So let's go into a bit of detail. Being blind sucks. I think we've traditionally played games. Um well we did at one point, I remember, um, when we were at college, I think it was. And it quickly became the point where it was redundant to do it anymore. Where we'd play the, would you rather be this than blind? And the other option to blind was normally the winner. So it'd be things like, would you rather be deaf or blind? And everyone would say deaf. It'd be, would you rather be paraplegic or blind? And everyone would say paraplegic. Because not being able to see really sucks. We don't want to go down the hierarchy.
1: I am going to say you've already mentioned disabled hierarchy, really. It's just a top trumps to I think not having
0: vision in this world is one of the toughest things to deal with. I know the world could be a lot more accessible for people in wheelchairs and stuff like that, but that's stuff that can be developed and changed. Whereas I think with sight, there's a limit to how much you can put in place. Ultimately, there's there's still going to be a lot of stuff that is going to be not doable. We're gonna chat about sort of our journeys to where we are now. We we mentioned in like the first episode what our conditions are. Um Cleve, you want to just give like just for as a reminder, an overlay of your condition, prognosis, that sort of thing. Hi, I'm
1: Eric and I'm an alcoholic.
0: <laughs> you are holding a beer. <laughs> Probably
1: not welcome at AA meetings. I can't function at these things anymore. Uh, I have retinitis pigmentosa. The long and short of it is my light perception is fucked. So if it's too dark or too light, I can't see. And my peripheral, my peripheral vision is pretty much shot. I have tunnel vision. So you only
0: see straight forward. So if anyone doesn't know what peripheral vision is, that's everything that isn't immediately in front of you.
1: Tony mansplains it all. I've already been criticised for mansplaining, which I think is completely unfair. I'm going to put in the Clarissa theme tune. Don't. Uh, We've just, already I'll been... Do, co- I'll do six seconds of it.
0: We've already been copyright checked on YouTube on our videos there. So Have we actually?
1: Yeah, we have been. And what did they say? We were fine just.
0: Yes! Yes! <laughs> yes! 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 yes, yes. <laughs>
1: Winner, winner. Cleaves this dinner.
0: Yeah, I mean we're not we're not getting money from YouTube, so it doesn't really matter. But we we were copyright checked. Yes. That's so you're big. glad we passed. So a reminder of my dodgy eye syndrome. I have retinal dystrophy. Mine's really specific to the point where it's nothing to be proud of. It just needs a no funding to it because it's it's such a rare condition. Um, very similar to yours, Cleves. Like, a lot of the symptoms are pretty much identical. It's just a different eye condition. Mine also comes with the lovely benefit of nystagmus, which is wobbly eye syndrome as well, which I've been told that it does affect my vision, but it's difficult. You know what I mean? It's, it, it's like throwing a stick of dynamite and then like a party popper. Is the party popper going to do anything? Like, relative to the dynamite. I don't really know. It might, but it's going to be negligible at best. So that's my condition. It also means that I have no sight in my right eye anymore. It just twitches about and it sort of responds to light. But that's about it. And my left eye, central vision. It's a bit of a weird one, because my night vision is slightly better than yours, but not by much. But your general vision, I think, is better than mine. So it's a bit of a...
1: Daytime vision, yeah. Nighttime. no.
0: Yeah. So it's a bit of a weird one. So as you can gather, being blind is a complete spectrum and it relies on so many situations. Like, it's such wide-spanning. So when were you... Well, when did you and your parents find out
1: about your sight condition? Okay, so here's what happened. I was part of the Cub Scouts... Because that's what all the cool kids do with, uh, you know, the neckerchiefs and all that shit. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I was on camp, wasn't molested by anyone, just like to put that out there. playing night games and we're running around in the forest. Again, just like to point out, still not molested by anyone. And um, it was one of those, like, I don't know, hit and run tag kind of games. And I must have been about eight or nine years old, maybe a little bit younger. And I just realised that I was out in the forest and I couldn't see anything. It used to happen whereby when the lights go out and things like that, you sort of develop a night vision where you can sort of pick out shadows and you can, you can sort of see your eyes adjust to the dark. Yeah. And mine just weren't doing that. It was just black, basically. Yeah. I could still pick out if there was a light, I think there was a light from a toilet block or something like that, that I could still pick out in the distance. But other than that, everything was just completely black. Mm. And at that point, I just couldn't see. I didn't know what was going on and everyone was running around. And I basically just got lost yeah. in the forest. And eventually, I managed to find my way to this toilet box that had a light, pure luck, really. And I spoke to another one of the, like the the Cub Scout leaders there. And I was just like, oh, I'm part of this group, if you like. We're yeah. from this town. And eventually, they took me back. And I just sort of said to them, like, I don't know what it is. I can't see. I've got, I seem to have a bit of a problem. Yeah. And that was the first time. Like, my parents didn't know about it. I didn't know about it. And then when I got back home, my parents took me to the doctors and stuff, and it was the nineties golden age, and they were just like, "Oh yeah, probably needs to eat more carrots." Legit, what the doctor said. Yeah, and my parents weren't having any of it because it wasn't the thing that was going away. Mm-hmm. So eventually, I had more tests, and eventually, I got diagnosed with retinitis. But that's how I initially found out. That sucks. There was an actual event. Well, yeah. I before that, I it had been normal. I hadn't had any symptoms of it or anything. That's the thing with RP. You can go along in life and it'd never be a problem. Mm. And then it can just develop midway through your life. And it just was unfortunate for me that it sort of happened around the time that I was eight or nine years old.
0: Yeah, RP can happen, like, oh you say that at any point. But some people go until, like, their 30s and
1: 40s. Yeah, my uncle has it and he didn't have it till later on in his life. It just, just stays dormant, doesn't it? And then it just sort of yeah. comes out. But well, you were the opposite, were you not? Did you not know from an early age?
0: <clears throat> from what I've been told, I, I, my condition has always affected me. Mine is degenerative, so it, it does get worse with time. I think yours is the same. But mine was from birth, and I think when I started to walk, my parents noticed that I would just not really pick up on things. And all, all all kids are idiots, you know what I mean? Like, small little idiot people. And, like, toddlers, they walk into things, and that's fine. They trip over stuff, you know? But they were picking up on things that I really should have been, like, picking up on. And I was hitting a lot of stuff and tripping over a lot of stuff to the point where it was, like, it was clear that I had no perception of certain things. And then they took me to Moorfield's – well, they took me to the GP – to begin with, I'm not sure what the GP said. I think the GP probably gave the same sort of spiel that yours did. And, of course, my parents very, like, didn't want anything to do with that. So I ended up in Moorfield Eye Hospital, and they started running tests and stuff like that. Um, And then started taking pictures of the back of my eyes, that sort of thing. I was in Moorfield Eye Hospital doing loads of tests, like, so many. Then they diagnosed me with retinal dystrophy, The nystagmus sort of made it obvious that something wasn't right as well because the eyes just move, especially when you get to an age where, you know, your child should be displaying normal behaviours when these sort of things happen and, like, the child is aware of things, it becomes a bit more obvious that something's wrong. I got diagnosed and told that, yeah, it's not good. Um, I had more sight back then than I do now, but. My parents were told like this is quite severe, it's not going away, there's nothing we can do about it. and I think that's the thing with my condition, there I know there's nothing they can do about your condition either, but with mine, like the funding pool is just not there. It's such a rare sort of permutation of other conditions that it's just completely off the radar. It's like nothing can be done. Apart from other things like there's some stuff coming up like interesting technologies and stuff like that, but a lot of the technology sort of supersedes the condition it sort of lies outside, which could be a benefit, but it lies outside actually fixing it so that's sort of when my when sort of like it started to be noticed, but children are stupid, and all you know is your world and your life so when did you notice apart from Okay, you had the, this situation where you were Cub Scouts. You're now been diagnosed. but well, that's a very specific situation. It was at night time. You sort of would have made peace. Ah, oh, it's not good in the dark. Was there a point where you were like, actually, this is kind of an issue?
1: It became an issue when I became a teenager in the sense that I actually got a decent group of friends and, you know, we wanted to hang out when it was dark. Especially after school, come 3.30 in a winter and you want to go around someone's house or even just hang out, having a few beers down the golf course or whatever. Not condoning that, but <laughs> <laughs> you want to go and hang out with your friends and you're the disabled one in the bunch because you can't see where you're going. Mm. And that's the point where it became an issue. And that's the point where I had to begin at least start dealing with it a little bit. Yeah. So at that point, that's when I got cane, cane training and I had to come. To terms with it in the sense that I had to not be bothered by it in front of my friends. That was great for me. Taking that approach was the best thing I could have done because I think my friends were okay with it because I was okay with it. They knew I was blind. They knew I could have a joke with it. They knew they needed to help me out in certain situations. That's when I had to start dealing with it. That's when it became an issue because I needed to be like my friends and they were okay with it and that's what's kind of kept me going, even until now, to be honest. Mm. I had to deal with it. I had no other choice but to embrace it to an extent. I made out like it wasn't an issue, so I made out that I only had to use my cane in certain situations. I, I would basically limit my disability as much as I possibly could. You do the things that your friends want to do, and that doesn't always encompass things that are blind friendly. Yeah. So you make the best of those situations. Yeah.
0: So I can't really remember a time where it was, where I realised that it was as bad as it was. Because it was something that I always had to deal with. My world was sort of created in a way of, like I said in the education episode, like it was always at school, it was made so obvious that I was different. And it wasn't really that subtle. I was moved to school because of it but when we come to actual awareness of it I mean that was just my world uh, that 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 was my life so it, it, again as a child you just sort of really don't pick up on that because that's the only thing you would know I suppose mine was also in my teens as well to the point where I was annoyed that I wasn't able to do the same things as my brother's There were sort of like restrictive parts of life that just weren't there for me, that I just couldn't engage in. Um, even though I was, even though I was like, I was fully up for doing things, like it just wasn't something that, that was available. It's difficult when your brothers were all doing, doing things. And at no point do I blame my parents for it at all. Um, but they, they were very protective of me. And I think that was a situation where it made it quite difficult because I started getting a bit resentful about not having the same opportunities and access to the world that my brothers had and other people around me, like all the all the kids from school, like when you get into your teenage years, we're all doing other things and that was something that was cut off to me. So that's when I was sort of like realising this is a this is a big deal. Like looking retrospectively, I didn't understand it at the time, but looking back at it now, then that was the case if we're talking about actually sort of acknowledging how bad it truly is, that didn't really happen until much later in life when it must've been in my early twenties, to be honest, where I'm not going to say I made peace with it, but I kind of embraced it as a thing. I, I tried so hard in my life to just be the normal person, like the normal guy. And <laughs> some, some things that I did, dangerous and stupid to try to be normal. And it wasn't until I was sort of in my, my early sort of 20s that I thought, no, that's just stupid. Like, you're going to kill yourself doing these things. Just accept who you are. And that's, that's something I'm still dealing with now. Because I think the problem with is with a progressive condition like, like mine, and mine is getting worse. As time goes on, you still have to keep dealing with it. I used to have both eyes and then my right eye sort of went and then I had to deal with stuff then. Like, did you lose your eye? And it's like, okay, that sucks. Got to deal with that now. But it's one of those things that yeah, I could have probably sought, sought out support. And looking back on it, I'm sure there were opportunities where people were, like, trying to help me cope with things,
1: but I was naive to it or didn't want to know. So... That's on me, I suppose. Well, in terms of dealing with it for me, obviously it became an issue when I was a teenager, but then it gets worse. My condition is degenerative also, so it gets worse as it went on. So I went through uni making the best of what I had and to an extent denying that I had a condition. I mean, you can't deny it in certain situations, but as much as possible I would. Um, and again, maybe I would take a little bit more of a risk to try and act normal in front of other people but then after uni finished there comes a point where you just have to kind of accept that it's there Mm. Uh, you can't you can only deny it for so long and then you kind of have to come to the point where for me at least you're like oh this is now a part of your life you're going to have to do certain things that will make you look disabled in front of other people yeah and where I was okay with it before because I could have kind of shrug it off during my sort of teenage and uni years because for the majority of it, I was normal. It gotten to the point now where I, my condition was starting to degenerate so much that I'm having to start to use my cane in sort of everyday situations. Mm-hmm. I'm having to tell people in advance that I have a problem, whereas that was never the case before. And at the end of uni, it kind of all hit me at once there was you know the obviously the change in lifestyle in terms of no longer being education going into a job going back to my house where i've been living away from home then i'm having to deal with this this blind thing that's going on mm. so that's when i started to deal with it again early 20s there was no way around it i i didn't handle it particularly well um i took a bunch of therapy sessions and that's how i kind of got to grips with it yeah i'm much better than i am now but it's, it's an ongoing process i'm not saying i still don't have issues with it mm. it's the thing that gets me down constantly but having been through that i can i understand where my problems lay and I, i've got the tools to deal with it now
0: yeah and i think i think that's the important thing is like uh, you <coughs> you actively seek help and it is an ongoing thing and it is a battle. I had no choice.
1: Like, I just I was so down about everything. I, I had no choice.
0: Yeah. And it it is it is like grief, like the Kubler Ross model of grief. But I think with this situation, it's a lot of it is denial and acceptance is so difficult, especially when you have something so have something that's degenerative. It's something that it it's not finite. That's the problem with it that I find like with the model of grief it's like let's say you lose a pet you go through those those stages of grief but then at the end once you've done the acceptance it will still hurt but you're not having to go back to denial again and I think that's the that's the difference with this with something that's progressive like I was dealing with it and thought I'd had a good handle on things and in my right eye is like useless and it's like it starts all over again and it's just sort of building on the previous how tough
1: this is. Well, you'll find that, or I find that little things every now and again come back to you You think, oh, I used to be able to do that, now I can't.
0: Yeah. I, I also find little things do set me off and I get irrationally, I'm not someone who gets angry. I, I, As you know, I moan a lot about things, but I don't really get angry. But little things like Knocking a glass of water off the counter and it just exploding on the floor, which to normal people would be like, oh, you think, oh, God's sake, and then you pick it all up. For me, that will get me in a fit of rage because I'm like, I used to be able to see that. Like kicking something that's on the floor that I put there literally five minutes before because I've forgotten I put it there, but I would have seen that before, and I kick that. And I just get irrationally angry, so angry about it. Because it's just one of those things that it just turns around and says, This sucks. Like, it, it is worse than it, it was before. I mean, I I tried to like pretend around these things with my wife um when we weren't married at the time. I tried to be tried to be normal for so long until it got to a point where I was just like, I can't pretend this. And I know it's tough for her as well. Because, like, she now goes to the hospital appointments with me as well. I know that, that hits her harder than me, because I'm kind of used to it. And I've got a thick skin about hospital appointments. And my, I get angry and annoyed with doctors, and that's my coping mechanism at the hospitals. But I know it's tough for her. It wasn't about a few years ago that I had, having pictures done at the back of my eyes. And, uh, my wife asked them, well, why, why do you want pictures? Like, it's not getting better. You know what their back is afterwards. Like. I, I said, oh, we're looking for blood clots. And I'm like, why are you looking for blood clots? And I was like, well, it can go up your optic nerve and you'll have a stroke. And at this point, I was in my mid twenties. So I was like, we weren't even aware this was an not op- like this was something that could happen. And it was really a blasé thing from a doctor, and that hit my wife really hard because that's that's not something you want to hear. You don't want to hear that like what you you had to deal with day to day has like bigger implications. So I think that's what's made it tough as well because it's not just. especially now it's not just me going through it it's my wife as well like as uh, I'm on the shitty motorcycle and she's in the sidecar and how do you cope with stuff like that I acted out when I was younger out of anger not like any particular person but anger, angry at life Um, especially when you're having it slowly taken away from you that could be the toughest thing sometimes I do think it would have been better for it to just be one and done and then just get on with my life. But then other times I think, well, no, just be grateful for what you have now, but it's still tough. Um And I acted out when I was younger. wasn't a great kid at certain times because just you get resentful about the world, Um, especially when you have people around you who... Everyone's got things going on, but you don't see that. Like... You don't recognize that or acknowledge that. Um, you just know that things aren't great for you. from depression a lot throughout my life. That's still something I deal with. Like you, I've got coping mechanisms, but it is still tough. What, what hasn't helped is I have also had some really shockingly bad professionals involved. So I went to cognitive behavioral therapy. This was a time where I was unemployed and. They they just wanted to chat to me about things, and they 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 with CBT they want to get an idea of like what your life's like and stuff like that. I just mentioned that yeah I'm losing my sight and stuff like that, and they're not qualified or trained for this. So they said, oh do you want me to recommend you to a group that might be able to help? I think oh yeah okay get some other like different perspectives. Got a letter through the post two weeks later, and it was for a terminally ill person's talk group, and I thought. You want to send me to a place where people are dying of cancer? And what am I going to do? Stand and say, my name is Tony and I'm losing my sight when all these other people have, like, a year to live? It's like, that isn't good. (laughs) That's not good. And then I didn't go back because, like, you just don't understand the issue. And again, that's on me. I could have educated them, but my choice was to walk away and not have anything to do with it. Dealing with it's tough. I think you'll agree with that. Yeah. But, like... You've got a house and you've got a successful yeah, career.
1: I have a flat and a semi-successful career.
0: Uh, but you're moving into a house and who knows what happens career-wise going forwards. <laughs> I like to think we've made successes to a degree respective
1: of, of our lives and the things that come up against us. Depends how you measure success. True. I'm happy with my life. I think that's the main thing. Yeah, it's about what you want out of life, and currently, I have most things that I want from life. I'm, I'm the same, and the, the future does worry me. Like, on a personal level, it
0: does worry me a little bit about a few things. But I think having a good network of friends, I think you're re- you're really good with having like a good network of friends who would be understanding of things that go go forwards.
1: I have always maintained that I would not be able to live the life that I've lived without my friends, mm. and I am eternally grateful for everything that they've ever done for me.
0: Mm. Unfortunately, I really haven't had that, that support in the past, but I'm very grateful for my wife and her patience and how, how good she is with things. And I'm also grateful. And this is going to come as a, like the sappy part. I'm grateful for you because <laughs> <laughs> why?
1: <laughs> because do, do, do you know what we're doing right now? We're doing American Thanksgiving speech. Yeah. It is a hundred percent. Who's carving the but, turkey? I'm
0: <laughs> porking the turkey. Stop oh, it! But I, I am thankful for you in my life because you are, you are a good friend.
1: You're my best friend. I don't know if we can keep this in because I just feel so weird about it. It is
0: weird, <laughs> but I think we should keep it in because knowing that you're going through the same thing as me, and even though our journeys have been different up to this point, knowing that I have like a comrade in arms that does help. Because it's someone who can empathize because everyone around me, they don't know what the situation is. They don't know how tough it can be and that you have good days, you have bad days and stuff like that. But I know that there'll be times where I will get angry and do something like knock a like explode a pine glass stupidly because of sight and get irrationally angry about it. But I know that you'll be there and you'll be like, Yeah, it happens. Like I know exactly what you feel, it's fine. And I think that helps, knowing that I have someone in my life that can understand what I go through in regards to this. And I think it would be a lot tougher if I didn't have someone, if I felt like I was on my own dealing with this, to be honest. Bet you wish
1: you had someone that wasn't a cunt, though.
0: Yeah, I'm a beggar's-
1: <laughs> I get what you're saying, and I think you're right. So on that note, you're all right. <laughs>
0: This isn't an easy conversation, but it's okay to talk about this. But who knows what's around the corner? Like, I keep my one working eye on the technology that's happening. You know what? The second that bionic eyes are properly working and sustainable, I'll be on that list
1: and I'll have my right eye replaced. That'll be the year after you die. If that's the case, then just... (laughs) That by, and, I, and I'm having that eye. Screw you.
0: <laughs> are we going to imply that you killed me for that eye? Mm, <laughs> to look, jump
1: up the list. It's not about who killed what to jump up what list. <laughs> That's what I'm filling with guide
0: dogs at the moment, to get my new dog. Yeah. <laughs> Give me the list and I'll hunt people
1: down. It's all right, they are not say so you're coming. <laughs> no, they won't. <laughs> but I probably won't see them either. You've got to break a few eggs to make an omelette. That means murdering a few innocents to get yourself up on the guide dog list. <laughs> Hey, if it has to be done. It has to be done.
0: So I think I've said all I want to say. It's been pretty deep, balls deep. It's been deep and it is a little bit emotional, and it is tough to talk about. But I suppose the the point of this is,
1: if you are blind, there are other people like there out there that are like you, just like you, yeah.
0: and like disabled, like just disabled in general. There's other people who who share your experience and how you're feeling. Don't feel like you're alone. Like there's so many networks out there and Facebook groups and Reddit groups and stuff like that if you're feeling down about it, it can be tough, but as you've said, you need to get out there, and like in my experience wasn't correct c b t but it's on me to get out and get the help if I need it yeah, there's help out there. you have to go and
1: find it though
0: yeah, but go to your g p yeah, start there, start at your g p if you're feeling shit. Go to your GP because they'll be able to direct you
1: to places. That's their job. And no one can do it for you, you've got to go and do it yourself.
0: Yeah. No you're not gonna have that like, support group rock up to your house with like mimosas and pizza. Like that ain't gonna fucking happen.
1: All I mean is if you're feeling down and other people are telling you to go and do it and you're literally going to the GP just because other people have gone, Yeah, you need to go to the GP and that's that's the reason you're doing it, you turn around and go, Yeah, yeah, I'm here at I'm here at my doctor's because blah blah told me to be there, you know what's the point? It's no point. Yeah. You've got to do it for yourself. Yeah.
0: And it is a journey and I'm going to say it gets easier because it doesn't
1: but Don't stop believing. Don't stop believing. That's the journey.
0: Yep. <laughs> God damn it.
1: You don't want to know how long I've had that in the canon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get back
0: to something Joe of your next week but I think this is an important talk to have. Yep. Therapy with Cleaves and tea. Therapy. God
1: damn it. Do you prefer Thera Cleaves? i am
0: just got this whole that sounds, that sounds like a Greek god. Pericles. Pericles.
1: Yeah. Sounds like an Adonis. God, well, the way you've been hitting that row machine, you won't,
0: be, <laughs> you won't be far off that.
1: Yeah, you don't know what I'm doing in between with all the beer and chocolate.
0: I was going to say, you're just sitting there, and every time you row forward, you're picking up a piece of pizza.
1: Oh, what I've done I've, I've got it. I've got it on the actual end of the row machine. I just open my mouth every time I come back. <laughs> That's great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, that has t-shirt written all over it. <laughs> <me. laughs> alright then man well we're chatting a bit till next week till next week have and a then. good one bye. bye thanks for listening to the Seesaw Podcast you find us on Facebook at Seesaw Podcast Twitter Seesaw Pod you can email us at seesawpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com you can also find us on TikTok and Instagram at Seesaw Podcast or Seesaw Pod, depending on which one we want. But get us on the other places. This podcast was recorded in front of a blind audience.